Welcome back to the Discovering Commercial Real Estate podcast. We're privileged to have commercial real estate veteran and chairman of New York City Capital Markets at CBRE, Bill Shanahan. Bill, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, John. Of course. Um, so before we get into business, could you give us a little background on where you're from and how you got into the business? Actually, kind of interesting stories. Uh, so I was born and raised in Fresh Meadows, Queens. Uh, so six of us grew up in a thousand square foot apartment. So you could say I had real estate in my blood because there was just not enough room. Uh, but I grew up in Queens, went to St. John's University in Queens. So I had work, home, and uh, my college were all within walking distance. So a pretty enclosed environment. Uh, I got into the business in a very fortunate but unexpected way. Uh, I had a, uh, a girlfriend whose distant relative was Brian Corcoran, who had just gotten hired to start the appraisal division at Cushman and Wakefield. Mm. Uh, they had gotten a large assignment, the World Trade Center, as one of their first assignments. And obviously, with the number of leases, they needed somebody at that time that knew how to um, communicate with a mainframe computer. So he asked me, what do you know about real estate? I said, Brian, honestly, absolutely nothing. He goes, great, you're hired, you don't have any mistakes. <laughs> So I started in the appraisal business at Cushman and Wakefield, and it just escalated from there. And I want to understand where you first um, kind of developed your sense of business. So if you had to think back to the first time you remember selling something or putting a deal together, what kind of comes to mind? It was actually more not so much the, um, uh, the sales business, because I was in appraisal for six or seven years. Mm. It was what I learned doing an appraisal, like working for integrated resources mm. and doing their tax work, uh, doing sale leaseback work for Goldman Sachs and watching, you know, I was only one part of this, a small opinion, but watching them put their deals together, communicating with their clients. And I think that was really my first sense of, you know what? this is great. I'm making money doing what I'm doing, but I don't want to write term papers anymore. Mm. This is, seems so much more exciting. So that was the first sense that that's what I wanted to do. Got it. And, and I, uh, I, I read an interview where you did with The Real Deal where you said that there are people your age um, uh, on the transaction side making a lot more money and you kind of were drawn to that. Human nature. <laughs> you always want what you don't have. Absolutely. Um, and can you tell us about the origin story of how you and um, Darcy Stakem kind of met? Uh, interesting. We, so we were both in the same orientation class in Cushman and Wakefield in 1980. She went, she went to Lisi and I went to appraisal. Uh, she had then gravitated to sales very early on. I gravitated to sales seven or eight years later mm -hmm. after working in appraisal. And at first it was, you know, very competitive. Um, but there was one event where they, you know, we were working very hard trying to move up the ladder with transaction, transaction size, complexity. And the company went and said they hired a team from Eastill mm. to do the big transactions. And I think that was the turning point for us. We're like, we're not going to let this happen. This is just, we've been working too hard. Let's, let's team up and let's, let's take the handle Join on forces. this one. Yep. Got it. Okay, great. And, and how do you, what's the dy dynamic like? How has that kind of developed over time? Well, we both have different skill sets. Um, I'm probably more analytical and in documents than she is. She's got a great flair for 
uh, sales. I also call her the master of the obvious. Okay. You know, sometimes you go so deep into something, you you miss the big, big picture, picture, which she's good at putting the things together for the big picture. Uh, but it, I would say it's very complementary skill sets. We've also learned how to work with each other. Mm. You've got to do that. You've also got to learn to respect each other, which doesn't always happen. Um, and it's been it's been a great business partnership. Awesome. That's great. And how about Doug? How, how has Doug kind of went in there and complimented your skill set? I give well? Doug a lot of credit. He stepped into a pretty challenging situation and he's, he's doing great. Um, he's, he is a great partner. Uh, hopefully, you know, one day he's doing all of this and we're doing less of it. Uh -huh. uh, but Doug has been, a, you know, he's been with us now five years or six years. Wow, that's and great. it's been, it's been fantastic. And, and what do you think has been instrumental um, with his success in the team? I would say a, a pretty high bar. You know, if, if it's not perfect, it better be damn close right. to it. Uh, and also attention to detail. You know, we, there's, there, you can't go far enough for a client, right? I mean, it's their, it's their reputations, it's their careers, it's their money. So you've really got to do your best job. Mm. I mean, you've really got to put their interests first. Mm. Um, and in this business, sometimes that's hard. You get a, lo a lot of people will throw something competing your way and you just have to be respectful and say, no, you know, I've made a commitment mm. in this direction and I've got to do my best job and live for this commitment and see it out. Got it. And that's, I think that kind of reputation people see and that that's gotten us more business. It's gotten us better business. And I think we've been successful because awesome. of that. That's great. And and you've been at CBRE for 22 years now? How uh, has... We came over July of 02. Okay, got it. And how has CBRE kind of been instrumental in helping you get to your vision? Oh, it's been all us. It's never been the company. Come <laughs> on. Uh, it, it, all respect to CBRE, great platform. We didn't realize how good their international platform was until we got there. Mm. I mean, there, there's, there's a, a, a Bill and a Darcy in almost every major market in the world. And that was a huge surprise, a very good surprise, but a huge surprise that there are actually competent people. They don't all speak your language, mm. but they all know real estate and they know their markets and they have the respect of clients. I'll give you one instance. And we were um, handling the sale of Worldwide Plaza. And we needed to know Nomura had an option to buy mm. in their lease. And we really needed to know whether they wanted to buy or not. And we were doing this with Eastill. Eastill couldn't get the answer. We called up our guy in Tokyo. And in two days, he had the answer for us. Wow. That's the kind the of thing that's... Of... Right. The power of the platform. Got it. Okay, great. Um, and, and what advice would you give to someone? Um, let's say they're putting together their, their team right now. What qualities should they be looking for or what qualities should they be avoiding? I don't know that I think you have to decide what business are you doing? Let's say right? if you're going to put together a business, sales business, you want somebody that's analytical. You want somebody that's got sales skills. You want a, you know, a team that's got a lot of heart because mm. sometimes it's you've got to be there for days at a time. You've got to give up certain things for clients, mm. um, you know, vacations. You've got to give up family time to, to make it work. So I think you've got to have a team that's cohesive, respects each other, and then you have all the requisite skill sets in that team. And Bill, you've transacted on over $145 billion of, of a wide range of transactions. That was last week's number. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, of, of a wide range of transactions in, in major markets. Um, what industry trends are you seeing now that you've kind of never seen before? Uh, the... the it's really it was 
health, the health-driven real estate crisis by COVID. Had never really seen that before. Mm. Um, what we're seeing now, the illiquidity in the market, uh, we've seen that in the early 90s. Uh, the lack of financing, we saw that in 98 with the Russian bond crisis. So we've seen elements of different things, but the work from home, brand new. Mm. I mean, you go back to the mid 80s. So that was Barbarians at the Gate, Bonfire of the Vanities. You told somebody you wanted to work from home on a Friday, they tell you to hit the streets, <laughs> right? So that we've never seen. Uh, what COVID did or, and, and has changed the way people think about office space, that's all new. Mm. And can you tell us about um, the first deal you put together as an institutional investment sales broker? The first deal you transacted So the f one of the first deals I transacted on, I got sued for. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I had uh, a relationship with uh, the Bass Group. And they had done, this is in the very early 90s. Uh, they had done a transaction um, with the federal government, Good Bank, Bad Bank. It was the Glendale Bank of California. And they owned an asset at, uh, I'm trying to remember now, the, uh, 11 John Street. And we sold it for a few million dollars. Yeah. And one of the bidders who didn't get picked sued us all. Wow. Wow. So it was like, welcome to real estate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and, and how about um, the highly coveted Stye Town? Can you tell us about that? Uh, we actually represented MetLife in the disposition of Stye Town. Okay. And that went to um, Tishman Spire and their investors. But that's that was it's a it's a great asset, and it's unfortunate what government regulation can do. Mm. And and how would you recommend for um, let's say a broker or an investor navigate this world of government intervention if it's out of their control? How can they regulate this? I don't know that you can. Mm. You just have to you play know, your cards. I, yeah, yeah. I think I think you well. Be active in politics, be active in the real estate board, be active in organizations that, you know, can pull together the political power to change things. Mm. And no one person can do it themselves. So just stay active. Um, and how about the Trinity portfolio? Um, what was it like to work on the largest portfolio recapitalization to date? It was actually very exciting. It's a fantastic portfolio. Uh, real a real mix of interesting buildings, interesting locations, but you're also, you know, in some sense, we're working for God, right? We're working for the Trinity Church. Um, the most interesting thing about that is when we were going to the closing, we realized we had no deeds mm. because this was given to the church by King James or somebody. So there were no record. We actually had to create deeds wow. to affect the transfer. That was a first in my career. Wow. But unexpected things like that when you're dealing with one, you know, big religious organization, but, you know, properties that went back historically to when New York was founded. Mm. Got it. And all said and done, the transaction was $3.55 Yes. Total, total value of the transaction. How do, you, how do you manage emotions with a transaction like that? I know this is, you, if it, it's, the zeros aren't the emotions. It's really... You know, the anticipation with the closing, getting the, the bid accepted, mm. going through the diligence, that's all the emotion. But the the number is, it's just, it's a number. Got it. Okay. It's a number. And you also brokered the largest office condominium sale to date, 30 Rockefeller Plaza, for $1.3 Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about that? 
That was very interesting. It was basically two related companies, GE to NBC Universal. Um, and all I can tell you is, you know, while it appeared on the surface to be, you know, a very smooth transaction behind the scenes, it was anything but because of differences in balance sheets mm. and, you know, timing with these corporations. There are a lot of external factors not related to the real estate that actually drive these decisions. Mm. So there are just things that come out of left field that you just don't expect mm. because you're not thinking either like a corporation or you're not thinking or you know the corporation enough to understand their business to know, wow, I should have expected that. Got it. Got it. Okay. And um, I would I would imagine that Dealman at, at that level, there are a lot of egos and there are a lot of personalities that you kind of have to manage. What are some of your um, strategies for managing the, these personalities? It's there's not always egos and personalities. It's more about understanding, you know, wh what are the motivations of people, mm -hmm. right? Um, what what becomes good for them or not bad for them, and how does that affect one side or the other of the transaction? So yeah, there's a lot of you know when you see you know the movies, you know, show me the money. That's like everything else. It's a little hyperbole. Got it. Um, but it's it's really more about understanding your client, understanding the counterparty understanding you know where do they, where, what are their goals what works what doesn't so i mean that's part of the thrill that keeps you doing this got it okay um and you work with the most sophisticated investors in new york city on a daily basis my story and i'm sticking to it john <laughs> <laughs> um what what's the best investment advice you've ever received from a client oh shut up oh was the best advice i ever received and that was, I won't say whom, a very well-respected person in the industry uh, came in and was, was trying to talk to me about something and I kept trying to give him my opinion. And he finally said, do you want a piece of advice? I said, of course I do. Shut up Got and it. listen. Got it, understood. And that one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten. Okay, great. Um, okay, and uh, when, when dealing with clients, how do you kind of remain top of mind without being pushy? I don't like the word pushy, <laughs> to be honest. It's not, it's not being pushy, but where does the transaction have to go, mm. right? If, if, if you're going to be successful, where does it have to go? Sometimes you're telling people things they don't want to hear, but if they don't hear it, there's going to be no transaction. Mm. So if that's sort of defined as pushy, then th that's what it takes is you're really trying to keep the transaction moving, right? You, you, it's, it's about time. It's about the environment around you changes. You know, these don't get done in a day. It's not like calling up your stockbroker and say, sell your stock. Okay. It could be three months, six months. Some have been three years. So it's gotta, it's gotta work in all those environments. Okay. Got it. Um, okay. And, uh, how much of investment sales brokerage kind of comes down to understanding the asset and how much of it comes down to understanding people? Would you say it's an even mix of understanding? It's 100% of both. Got it. If you, if you miss on one or the other, you're not going to have a trade. Got it. Okay. Um, and what does your typical day look like at this point in your career? Um, is it structured or is every day kind of a different story? In this environment, it's very much a different story. We're obviously not as busy as, you know, we, we, we were pre-COVID with transactions. We are busy doing more consulting work and things like that. 
um, which isn't the, it doesn't have the same pace or the same sort of milestones and, and deadlines as transactions do. So I would say our day is a little less structured um, than, than it had been previously. Got it. Okay. And is there such thing as a work-life balance for someone at the top of the industry like yourself? Um, yes and no. It's not, you're not consistently balanced or out of balance, but there are times when you're very out of balance and times when it's like you're enjoying your break. You're in between things or, you know, let's say I've completed a transaction and, you know, I don't, I'm not picking up anything else yet, but maybe I'm working with Darcy on finishing something, but I've got a little more time on my side. It's, you, you take the moments as they come. Got it. Okay. Um, and when it comes to goal setting, um, how do you kind of go about this process for yourself and for your team? As high as possible. As high as possible. Got it. Sky's the limit. <laughs> um, and, and what are some uh, sacrifices that you've had to make um, to close over $145 billion in real estate transactions? Are there any sacrifices that you maybe regret making? I don't know that I would say I regret making them, but I'm, at the time, they've, it was the choice I made. It's obviously family time, you know, being at all your kids' events. Uh, it's uh, sometimes just being in the moment. Mm. You know, you're somewheres, your body's this place, but your head is somewheres else. Mm. So you can't always be in the moment when you want to be. Um, it's your health. Probably wasn't, you know, COVID was kind of good for me. I stopped. I was like, wow, you know, got to change things up a little bit here. So it's, it, it's not like you're taking from only one pocket. It's a, you kind of steal from a little bit of everything to create the time necessary to, to give to the client, to give mm -hmm. to the transaction, to get it done. Got it. Okay. Um, and let's say somebody out there is 22 or 23 years old. They're graduating from college and they're looking to get into this business of institutional investment sales. What advice would you give them um, in regards to job hunting or being successful in the business? Being successful in the business, patience. The one thing I see from young people today is, you know, I've worked hard for six months. You know, where's my raise? Where's this? It's, it's, it, it's a lack of patience in escalating the career. I mm -hmm. get it. I was in the same spot. But if you don't have patience, you're going to have a fair amount of frustration. Mm. Um, you know, most young people think about it from their perspective, right? I, I've, I've been in five days a week. I'm working really hard. How come I can't get a raise? Well, maybe nobody's making any money in this environment, right? Mm. So you should get a raise while everybody's losing money. That, you know, that makes sense. There's no connection there that, that was there when I was, when I was growing up in the business. Mm -hmm. You know, you're very aware of what the business was going through. Got it. Okay. And, and as far as the investment sales landscape from when you started from today to this point, how has that kind of changed? Wow. In so many ways. In so many ways. One, computers, big deal. Um, I, we used to do cash flows with graph paper and calculators. Wow. Right? Model out of tenant, all by hand, add it all up, hope you didn't make a mistake. Um, it's, the business has also become what I'll call commercialized. So securitization is really took hold in the nineties. Um, and that, and that sort of, that you sort of homogenize debt in a way that people hadn't seen before, but it also allowed for greater participation, both financially, job wise on that side of the business. And eventually, you know, through the REIT structures, they institutionalized equity. Mm. So those are the big changes in the industry. Um, 
I would tell you financial structures. There were a lot of them in the early 80s, a lot of them tax-driven, and a lot of them died out and they didn't survive. But you do have different ways to affect the transaction mm -hmm. that you should be familiar with. Um, and I think those are the, probably the biggest, the biggest changes in the industry. Got it. Um, and what do you look for in a new hire for your team? What are the, the three qualities that you look for? Oh, skill, communications, heart. Got it. Got it. Um, what's your favorite part about the New York City real estate business? Oh, I love the people. The people. There are, there's nobody like New Yorkers. <laughs> uh, and when you really think about New York relative to, you know, the U.S. and even relative to a lot of the creative ideas about real estate, the um, things that people do in real estate emanate in New York. Mm -hmm. So you're in this big idea factory with a lot of people who are all really smart, throwing around ideas. So it's, a, it's an invigorating environment. Melting pot. Oh, it's just great. Awesome. Um, and who are your, your role models or people that you looked up to when you're coming up uh, in the industry for inspiration? Well, look, the person who hired me, Brian Corcoran, was an inspiration. Um, Richard Fisher mm. was a great mentor and a, and a really good friend. Um, I've had other people on, on, the, on the legal side that I had looked up to because, you know, they, were, they would take the time to explain things to you. Um, just I've had so many people, it's hard to... You don't name them all. Got yeah. it. Okay. Um, and who do you learn from at this point in your career? Pretty, I, I honestly say, I learn a lot from Darcy. I mean, we constantly ping each other all the time, and that's one of the great things about the business partnership. But I try and learn something from everybody I meet. Got it. Could be something bad, could be something good, but try and learn something. Always from take away somebody. something. Right? Take away something. Got it. Okay. And and how is how important is um, competition in your business for you to stay on your feet and stay active and stay excited? Oh, I think it's, I think it's important. It's, it's not the only thing that drives us, but it's, it's one of those elements when you put it together that keeps you on your toes. Got it. Okay. Uh, and after almost a 40, a four decade career, uh, what would you say is your primary driving factor nowadays? Money, personal achievement, family, philanthropy? I would, I would say it's, um, personal and professional achievement at this point. Um, and, you know, sort of bringing up the next generation. I think that's really, really important. Uh, also, you know, just contributing to company, contributing to community, just contributing. Got it. Awesome. That's great. Uh, and Bill, I have my final question to wrap this up. What advice would you give to your 23-year-old self? Grow up. <laughs> <laughs>